Hello and welcome back to Chat by the Pitch. This is Ian Babcock, your host. This week I start off with an apology to you guys. Sorry I was not able to drop an episode last week. I've been struggling getting editing done and it's very time consuming at times and I'm sorry. But this week I'm very excited to release this episode of Stephen Sunny Sunday. He is a personal family friend a connection that brought to us through Derek Waldeck, a great coach, great guy. And I actually have two episodes with him. The first one's with him and the second one's him and his wife. So next week you get to hear more about what he's doing outside of the world of soccer. But this week we talk about his soccer journey and getting into soccer. So let's start this chat and head to the pitch. My name is Sunday Steven O'Brien, known as Sunny. Can you give me a detailed start of your soccer playing days? I mean, and where you started playing soccer at as at a young age? My soccer started from, from Nigeria in Lagos, to be precise. I started playing right from when I was a kid, when I was like uh, six years old, playing, even playing barefooted. And when I used to leave my home and... My parents never wanted me to play soccer because they wanted me to go to school. There are many things that I could do rather than playing soccer for them. Someone's destiny can never be changed. You know, you just have to. I never knew it was my destiny. I was just playing soccer until it became big and people were coming home to like call me to come and play in some tournament and all that. So I think that was when my mom realized that, oh, wait a minute. I think we're making a mistake with this guy. How old were you when you were getting invites to go play in tournaments? Like I said, uh, when I started playing, you know, right from six, I played until when I became, you know, uh, a teenager. So becoming a teenager, even before then, people were coming. Before then, people were coming to come play in the next street. So they come, okay, Sonny, can you come play with us in the next street because they have a tournament? that they have to do this, they have to put, you know, we're going to win some prize and all that. So I couldn't, I couldn't go play with them because my family, you know, I grew up in a, in a home that is very humble family, humble beginning. And my parents were street, street in the sense that, you know, they just want us to be like, be responsible for ourselves and be responsible to the public. So my parents were street. They never wanted us to go. They never wanted us to go astray, putting us the right way and all that. So when they see people coming to call us to come play in the next street, they'll be like, no, no, no. They always say no, you know, because they don't know them. We don't just give your kid to someone you don't know, even when, you know. So that was how it all started. To the extent that I will leave my home even without my parents' consent, you know. I will just need to sneak out of the house to go play and sneak back in. But then my parents, they already, they, they knew what happened, but they just kept quiet. And they just said, uh, in, the, in the night, when we're about to sleep, and they'll be like, okay, where did you go today? I said, no, 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 no. I didn't go nowhere. I was home. No, you're not home. You know, so I, I cannot, I cannot, I try to lie, but, you know, they are older than you. They know everything more than you do, you know. So I just need to confess that, yeah, I went to play, uh, that. Then they they beat me up and you know the the way 
we were brought up uh, in Africa is different from the way, you know, kids are brought up here in the States or in Europe, you know. So uh, my parents would beat me up and say, okay, next time you don't do it, you know, with a stroke of cane, you know, they just beat you up. Probably they use the belt or, you know, something to like whip you so you don't go the next time. But I did it to an extent that I adapted to the, the stroke of cane that they were using on me then, you know. I, I don't just even see it as anything because I was, I, I get joy in doing those things. So despite the fact that I know the consequences, I, don't, I just feel like, you know, going to do what I needed to do, but coming back home to face those consequences. But the consequences to me... It, never means nothing to me because I already know that, okay, I'm just going to be beaten up. What's next? There is nothing. So let me, let me go. So I was just going again and again, again and again until the extent that my parents get, they got tired and they, they saw it. I knowing fully well that even if I go, if I come back home, they're still going to beat me up. So I just used the opportunity and say, okay, let me go play. Let me go enjoy myself because I do do it. Then I come home to face the consequences. So it happened for, you know, so many times. The people that saw me playing and they like invited me to go, to come play somewhere else, far from home. No, I don't think I, that's going to be possible, blah, blah, blah. They said, okay, if it is possible for, so they will do. I said, okay, please come do. Uh, right from when I started going out to play, knowing fully well that even if I go and I come back, they're still going to beat me up. So since I derive pleasure in doing that, then I I go easily. You know, I just go. Then I know that if I come back, I'm just going to get a stroke of canes and, you know, they're going to beat me up and, and I know that's the end. So I got used to that cane. I got used to that punishment. So from where I went to play, someone was like trying to take me to go play elsewhere. I was like, no, it's not going to be possible because my parents won't allow me because even me going from here to the next street, it was like a war with me and my parents. So how do you expect me to go even farther than this? You know, I can't even go. No, no, it's not possible. Then yes, we can come talk to your parents. You know, I said, okay, if you want to come talk to my parents, that's good. You know, so they came, uh, they spoke to my mom. I mean, I saw rest in peace now. They spoke to her and she was like, no, where are you taking my son to? No, no, no. It's not, it's not ready to do that. It's not ready to do that. You know, uh, I couldn't go. So, you know, but that never stopped me from going to play in the next street. You know, I was still going to the next street and these people were still seeing me uh, as the year passes by, as the month passes by and the years and the year follows. They'd be like, no, come on, you're becoming, you're grown up and, you know, you should just leave home, let's go play, blah, blah. I said, no, I cannot. And, you know, I don't even have that confidence because of the way we, we grew up, you know, going far away from home. You know, I don't even see it as, I cannot. I was so timid and, you know, shy guy and, you know, but humble, you know what I mean? Yes. To the extent, you know, so after all those phase, I decided like, okay, what is going to happen next? Because these people keep coming to call me. They keep coming to call me and all that. And since these people came and they spoke to my parents and they said, no, uh, what am I going to do? And inside of me, I want to go play. But I was saying the consequences that I was going to, you know, I was going to get if I go that far away. Ah, Then 
I just say, okay, let me just try once and see, you know. Then I went. Then when I came back home, they asked me. And I said, no, I went to the nursery. I was going far away, coming back home, and I was telling my parents I was on the nursery. And I did like a couple of times, and people were like, okay, and now it's time for us to take you interstate. I said, no, that's not going to, don't even go there. That's not going to be possible. So my parents to leave me for, for days. Uh, no, 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 it's not, you know. They said, no, come on, let's go talk to her, you know. Blah, blah. Ah, I said, okay, come talk to her. They came, my father was there. May so rest in peace. <laughs> They came and they spoke to my both parents then that they want to take me to state to go play, blah, blah, blah. And they said, the first thing my father was asking them, my father was, okay, where do you live? Where do you stay? Who are your parents? And who are, you know, so I, and then I get it. Why the reason why he was asking about, you know, those questions and all that, you know, long story short, my father got the information and said, okay. Now I leave my son in your hands. You take him and please bring him back for me. So we went, we played, we conquered, we came back home and, you know, they shared the news with my, with my, you know, with my, with my parents. Then there was no phone. There was no answer. There was no phone. So I couldn't communicate with my parents. All I just need to do, you know, just until when I'm back, that's the time I talk to my parents. So I, and I believe they will be worried and, you know, wanting to talk to me or wanting or the other. The same goes to me, wanting to talk to them and, you know, giving them the information about how we progressing in the tournament and all that. We got eliminated in the semis, semi-final, and, you know, we came back home and I shared the news with my parents and, you know, I got some gifts, I got some money and all that, and I gave it to my parents. My parents collected it and, you know, they kept it. And I believe that was what triggered the chance leaving me to go play you know, outside of the, of the city, of the state, you know. And after that, you know, I started going, I started playing, people, people started coming and people started telling my parents, oh, your son, your son is good. Your son can play soccer. Your son knows how to play. Your son was like a messiah, your son, you know. Uh, and my parents were like, okay. Uh, my parents were, was now releasing me, you know, Go, okay, go play, go play, go play. But make sure when you come back, your studies, don't forget. You just have to, you know, you know, you just have to juggle studies and soccer together, you know. So that was how they let me, they let me be by going out to play and coming back home. So how long did you do this cycle before you ended up playing in Spain? And how did well, you get to Spain? I think, okay. Yeah, what I did was that I was doing that for like, Let's say I did that uh, interstate for like approximately, let's say like within two years, I did that before traveling to Spain around uh, when I was uh, like 15 years. And how did Spain came about? Spain came about when, during the time I was playing this tournament, you know, uh, that was when someone came and said, okay, I'm a soccer agent. I can take you abroad, blah, blah, blah. If you can get a visa, I can get you a club in Europe, you know, stories like that. And I never knew anything about going to abroad to play. But I used to hear people, you know, say, okay, that one just came back. That one is traveling, this blah, blah, blah. Because my parents didn't give us the privilege to like be open to stuff like that because we are always like in-house, you know, like 
with the family always time I go to play is when I sneak out. So little things that are known to me then, you know, right. mingling with people, people keep telling me about things that is happening because what I do is that after soccer, come back home. After soccer, come back home. After soccer, thinking about the punishment I was going to receive, come back home, get my punishment, stay. Then the next day I do the same, you know, just re repeating itself like that. So the person that promised me of getting me a club when I get to Europe was... I don't even know anything about getting a visa or where do I go. So you got your visa? Yeah. I didn't even know how to get a visa, how to travel abroad. I don't have no experience about that. When the agent spoke to me about getting a visa, traveling to Europe, like that, I don't even know what he was talking about. About You know, he said, okay, go to the embassy, how you can do it, There's the direction of the, the embassy, the visa, you will get a ticket, that's a flight ticket, that's the plane ticket, then you fly to the country, you know, then he can get me, I said, okay, so like what country, what visa of what country do you think you, do you have, uh, are you strong in? okay spain france whatever so i was fortunate to get a, a spain visa through someone connections and all that i got a i got a visa then i got to spain uh, no i got a visa to paris sorry i got a visa i stayed in paris for like because i was i came with bta and little money with me and when i got to paris i couldn't see the guy i couldn't find him so i was like stranded I would say I would say stranded, so I couldn't find him. I was like, okay, what would be the next thing to do? And then before traveling out, I had to like get some phone number of some guys who were in Spain, despite the fact that I traveled to France. And I know travel around Europe, depending part of Europe. I can travel by bus, I can travel by train, I can travel by air, whatever. And I was coming in with some BTA, some some little money that I that I had on me. So when I got to France, I couldn't see this agent. I was calling the phone number. No one was taking the phone number. And I had to like decide what to do because I can't just be in a country that I don't even know nobody. And but there just like that. So I had to like call some friend that I that I know. So they said, okay, you can come on in and you know stay with us. And so I took speed train from France to Madrid. I go to meet my friend, you know, my friend was like, okay, this is where we live. We're together here, you know. Uh, he's there with some other couple of guys living in, in that place and I had to come join them. You know, we were all living together. And it happened that there was a tournament in, in Madrid, in Spain. They call it uh, Mundialito. And the tournament is... Uh, has to be with uh, so many countries. Those no, they're representing their countries in Madrid, and it's like a tournament. Brazil is playing, Uruguay is playing, Ecuador is playing, Nigeria is playing, and some other countries. So we participated, and we became the champion. So that was when my story changed. You were how old doing all this traveling through Fr France and moving to Spain? I was uh, 15 years old. 
Okay, I'm just making sure because that's the time frame I thought it was. I mean, uh-huh. most, yeah. I mean, this 15 years old, most parents today won't even let their 18 year old do what you're, what you just did, mm-hmm. <laughs> let alone a 15 year old. So yeah. you went to Spain and, and that's how you ended up in Spain was this transition from that location, from, from Paris, and you made contacts and went to, to Spain. So how long was it until you found a club in Spain to play for? Well, after the tournament in Spain, Immediately after the tournament, the tournament was in July, then the summer. Immediately in September, I was sent to a second division team that has like a lower division. The first team of the club is playing in the second division team, but they also have like a lower division under that club, which is called Polideportivo Ejido. So they sent, the agent sent me there. Okay, go do trials. If you pass the trial, either based on tournament that we that was held in Madrid. So okay. I got there, they put me in an hotel. I'm a Christian. I pray a lot. The moment I got into the hotel, pulled up, put up my bag, you know, undress and you know, taking some fresh air inside the AC, you know, just relax. I started praying. I prayed. Then I started my daily routine and, you know, so they came to me the next day and told me, Sonny, they came to pick me up and said, okay, they want to show me because the field was very close to the hotel. So we just had to like, you know, they picked me up and they took me to the stadium, you know, where I'm going to be having my training with the second, uh, with the lower team and be walking back to the hotel. So they came, they picked me up, they explained the whole thing to me. Sonny, this is where you're going to be training. After your training, this is where you're going to be eating. You go back to the hotel. They just gave me all the information and all that. So in the morning when I wake up, I go take breakfast, go back in. Or if I want to take a stroll, I want to walk around or whatever. Then I do in the afternoon, I take lunch, I still stay in the hotel. In the evening, that is where we used to train. So I go train after training. I get my dinner, then I go uh, take shower, pray, then go to bed. This keep happening every day, every day, every day, every day like that. It got to a time when I was praying, I was led by the Holy Spirit, you know, just pray. You know, I was praying and I didn't even know my voice was going higher. I was just praying. I was just praying. I was just praying because I was moved. I was just praying because I need prayer. And this is, this is what has been keeping me. I was praying until I had a knock on my wall, like, and I have to reduce my volume, someone maybe, uh, because I don't know where the knock was coming from. I continued. I was, I was still praying. I had a knock again. I disregarded the knock. And the next thing I heard was that a phone call into my room. Like, who do I know? Who could be calling me? Then I picked the call and it was the reception. It's what, the call was from the reception. They said, uh, we had a complaint. There is a noise coming from the room, blah, blah, blah. You know, I said, okay, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't even tell them what I was doing. I said, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I said, yeah, but you need to bring your voice down, blah, blah, blah. You know? I said, okay, I'm sorry. Then uh, I dropped the phone. Then I continued. I was praying, I was praying, I was praying. Then I left and everything was like that. But since I realized that there was, there was a complaint, from the people in the hotel, you know, I just needed to like adjust and, you know, bring down my voice and the whole thing continued like that. 
So during my trial, one week trial, after the third, fourth day, they took me away from the hotel and they took me to an apartment. So when I saw that happen, I immediately sensed it that, okay, I think there's a shift in the spirit. Shift in the spirit in the sense that I think I'm going to stay because if they can take me away from the hotel and put me in the same apartment where they have other players because they have two other players because that the, the apartment is like a three-bed apartment. Uh, another black player, I don't know where he's from. from uh, I, I cannot remember. And the other room was for one Spanish player, three. So they have to move the Spanish player somewhere else to put me with the other two. other two. So I was staying in one of the rooms so like two weeks when I was training and coming back home, training, coming back to the apartment. They sent one of the guy, the guy from Mali, they sent him packing. The guy was occupying the master bed. So I spoke to the other guy who was occupying the second room that, okay, is he moving to the master bed or said, no, he want to stay in his room. So I move into the master bed and my, my visa got expired. So what I, what the club did for me was to renew uh, or be legal in the country. So by so doing, because when they knew they were going to take me, they immediately start the process of making me legal in the country because my visa got expired and, you know. Right. So then they started that process. Fortunately enough, it came quickly and I got a one-year resident card in Spain. Immediately I got a one-year resident card. I just stayed like staying sick, like, oh, one day I would like to play for Spain. Just like that. And the general manager of the club at the time said, oh, you want to play for Spain? And the next thing he did was to adopt me as a son. Because what I was not seeing then, they were seeing it. Because even that, even when I came into the team, into the club, I was training with the second team, the lower league. And the lower league played a game against the first team who was playing in the second division. I did well. And they said, okay, Sonny, henceforth, you're going to be training with the first team, but you're going to be playing game with the second team. So I was doing that. And when the season was over, September, October, November, and December, all those times I was training with the first team, but coming down to play with the uh, second team. I didn't play until September when they had like three more games to end the season with the, with the lower team. So that was when I got uh, fired. I got like legalized and everything was like, okay, now you can play because without that, I couldn't do nothing. I was only training and keep keeping feet and, you know, until I get, a, I get legal in the country. So when they called me to the office to come, I don't know what they, why they were calling me. So I got to the office and they gave me the, the resident card. I was, I was, I was mad. I was like so excited. I was over, over happy. Like, come on, I got it. Because even the coach of the second team was asking me, when is your document going to be ready? When, 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 when? Because they wanted me to play. So when the document was ready, I was able to play like two or three games. I played and I was going back to play with the uh, first team. So getting to June, I announced that, okay, Sonny, you're going to stay with us. We're going to sign you. We're going to give you a professional contract. I was like, it's okay. 
then the club was really helping me then because each to talk to my parents. Then I used the phone to call my parents because that was the only chance that I got. I had to like my parents and, you know, know how the whole thing was going and all that, you know, the way they took me, the way I went to the one happened in the hotel, you know, and all that, you know, I was telling them and all that. They were putting me in their prayers as well, you know, with me and until I got the first uh, year's contract with the, with the second team. Because with, this, with, this, with the lower league, I was, you know, on to $600. And when I started uh, with a big size, I was like 1500 gross profit. And where my life changed was when when Valencia came. And even before Valencia came, there was um, there was like five teams that came in my first year in the season, in my in the in the league. My first year in the league, like five teams came, like Deportivo La Coruña, Real Betis, Liverpool, you know, so many teams came, like five of them. Then I was telling my agent that, okay, I need to go because train goes only one time, not twice. This is my opportunity. Let me go. Yeah, the five teams that were interested in you. And then that's when everything started to change, you said. Yeah. My first year in the league, I, after the, se- after, after the season, I got the option uh, uh, behind me, you know, uh, they wanted to buy me and and heard about it, and I was telling my agent, and said, okay, can I go to one of those teams? Because Liverpool was also part of this team. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and I said, uh, Liverpool was not big then, you know, they're just normal team, you know. Uh, and I told my agent, no, if it's for me to go to Deportivo La Coruña or go Betis or whatever. He said, no, Sonny, piano, piano, I could, I could remember. Piano, piano. And that's a language, but it's an Italian language that says easy, step by step. So I said, no, you can only catch up with the train once, not twice. It's an opportunity that is coming. No, I got to grab it because my my work is paying off. You know, come on, let's take advantage of this. You know, let me go and, and just said no. He just said no, 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 no. Just first year, I'm sure you're going to get a bigger one next year, blah, blah, blah. I said, how do you know? We don't even know. We don't even we that we are living. We don't even know how long we're gonna live on it. So why are you telling me? You know, he was like, "No, Sonny, you have to keep playing, keep doing the same thing you did this year. Do it again because when you have consistency, then people are gonna be convinced and say, okay, he's there. Then let's put money on this guy because it's a, it's a promising player.' So it, uh, okay. Uh, what I did was to continue with the same club, and I played another season. And in that season, two clubs were coming. They were coming, pushing harder, harder and harder. Getafe and Valencia. You pay the club bigger money and pay the player lesser money. Valencia was going to pay the club lesser money and pay the player bigger money. So the club was like, okay, I think Valencia will be good for my, you know, my development and all that. So they sold me to Valencia, where Valencia gave the club Three million dollars, three million euros. In the history of the club, they never sold a player in that amount before. So they sold me three million to Valencia, but Valencia was paying me big money compared to Getafe. So I went to uh, going to Valencia permanently. I signed a pre-contract. I signed because I was still having a, to go to World Cup even before going to Valencia. 
But Valencia came and they signed a pre-contract with me and the club. We signed everything and they left. So the next, uh, me was to go to the World Cup and come back to join Valencia because I played with Spain in the World Cup. After getting my after getting my resident card with uh, with the club and telling the general manager who adopted me in the club and he gave me the nationality, he adopted me and I got the nationality through him. And then I was invited into into the national team U17, U17 twice. And after playing U17 twice, then uh, I was called up for the U20 World Cup and for the tournament. We we lost in the quarterfinals. After after that. Then uh, to join Valencia. So you were sev- you were under the ages that you were seven, roughly. Was this still when you were 15, 16 years old? This was all going on then. Yeah, sixteen years old. I think when I was uh, with Valencia, I think I was uh, nineteen. Yeah, when I when I, during the World Cup, I was nineteen. That was two thousand and seven. Yeah. So after the World Cup, then I joined Valencia. And even during the World Cup, my first game, that was when I was coming as a sub. Because I saw the team, I said, no, I should be playing on this team. And my agent told me the same thing, piano, piano. This same team won the Olympics. So you are just joining them to go to the World Cup. They've done the whole work to respect that fact and just push, continue pushing until you have your shot. Then you take advantage of that. I said, okay. We were concentrated. We we got the first concentration, as in the first uh, invitation in Madrid, where we stayed for like seven, one week, seven days, one week in Madrid, in Badabebas, in Real Madrid facility. We stayed there for one week. We were training, and that was from there we traveled to to Canada for the World Cup. So when we got to Canada, we were training, and you know we had the first game against uh, Uruguay. We were losing 2-0 when they subbed me in. We played and I think we still, I still have the, the, the video on YouTube. You know, We played and we came back 2-2. And uh, I could remember that day there was an agent who was coming to talk to me and telling me about Palermo, that the president want to speak with me, blah, blah, blah. But I couldn't tell him that I already had a contact pre-contract with Valencia. So I couldn't tell no one because, you know, I just know that I'm coming to play the World Cup. Then after the World Cup, I'm going to Valencia because I already have a pre-contract. Right. But this guy was coming to sit at my door of the hotel. Sonny, please, do you want to speak with the president of Palermo? Do you want to, you know, just talk to him, blah, blah, blah. I was just quiet. I was just quiet because I knew what happened. So, and I don't want to be saying it for people to know that, okay, okay, within, uh, he's going to be joining Valencia, blah, blah, blah. No, nobody knew about it, you know. And uh, I didn't even talk to the guy. I just told him, no, 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 no. I don't want to go to Palermo. No, 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 no. He was still pleading, begging and calling, uh, you know. But in the end, you know, I just, I refused the call and I just moved on. Then the second game, I started, I started the second game. I started the third game, just started the old game until the one in the quarterfinal. I didn't start. And that was where we received the, the one zero right from the first half. And the coach sent me to go warm up. I was warming up. He called me to sub me in. I was there on the side for him to sub me in. 
and it left me on the line. Probably was carried away with the rhythm of the game or with the pressure of the game or whatsoever. It was carried away and it left me on the line there. I stood there until the end of the game. So from the first half, he called me to, to sub me in. I came. I was just jumping, you know, getting warm because it left me on the side without doing nothing. He should have left, but he told me to come because he wanted to sub me. Um, so after the first half, we didn't go in. We were still outside, you know, using the ball, jogging, running, doing all this stuff. And in the second half, he told me to warm up and come. So after warming up, I came for him to sub me in, but nothing like that happened. Just left me on the, on the sideline. He forgot me on, a, on the sideline and lost in the tournament. Then we, we went back to Spain. And we didn't go back to Spain. From there, okay, from there, I and Kwamata, I don't know if you, if you remember Kwamata, who was with uh, Manchester United. No, I, I did not pick up, start following soccer until Landon started to play. And okay. so I'm slowly learning all the big names throughout time with all the clubs. Okay. So, Mata is a big name. He was with Real Madrid Castilla. He played, he played behind the striker. And both signed the same time. He had a pre-contract. He had a contract. I had a pre-contract. We both uh, went to Valencia after the World Cup. So we, we left where we got to uh, where we needed. We both went to, uh, to Holland from there. We went to Holland where the precision, uh, the Valencia precision training was held at the time. And we were there with them and, you know, they welcomed us, they gave us the room and, you know, we started a new life there. And Valencia, that was where uh, the likes of uh, David Abelda, Barach, Ruben Baraja, who is the head coach right now, uh, Carlos Machena, Bulo, uh, these are big names. Vicente Cañizares, who was the first choice of uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Manchester City. And a lot of Villa, who was with uh, Red Bull at the time. You know, but I think none of those players are still playing until now, except Mata. Well, Mata just uh, earned his boots. Uh, was it last week or so? Yeah, so a talented player in this changing room. And then I used to like, you know, look at them like, oh, this is a big player. This is a player that I was watching on the TV then. And, you know, play with them, coming to share the dressing room with them, coming to share a common place with them. And, you know, it was, it was a, a big privilege. And, and uh, you know, to have that happen. It's amazing. So, so you, how many clubs did you play for throughout your time then? Yeah, I played so many teams. I played starting from Poli Deportivo Ejido. I played Valencia. From Valencia, I moved to uh, Luna in the fourth division. I moved to Rio Betis. I moved to Numancia. From Numancia, I left the country, Spain. Then I moved to Israel. From Israel, I played six months in Israel. I went to Bulgaria from Israel. From there. I played one and a half years, then I moved to Turkey. Then I moved to, to the US. From the US, then I moved to Cyprus. From Cyprus, I came back to the US and I decided to like, you know, after all this global trotting. Played and you came to Salt Lake. Um, then you went back to, where was it you said? Yeah. So the movement was this from Turkey, because Real Salt Lake was behind me in 2013. Then I looked at the roster. I said, no, there, 
was playing with his uh, with the U.S. national team. Carl Beckerman, important player, both club and country. Huh. Now, how am I going to go there and play in the same position with this guy? I said to the agent who was offering me Resort Lake then in 2013 that, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to play there. I don't want to go. Without any reason, I told him straight up, I don't want to go. Because, no, I told him. I told him they have a, um, a national team player, and this guy is also important in the club, both club and country. This guy is important. So, why? No, I don't want to. No, I don't want, because I still need to continue playing. I don't want to. I don't want to go and not play. But no. Uh, how do you know you're not going to play? Because by pro- probably you play one of you. Blah blah. I said no, no, no. I don't want to go. And then I was asking my wife, and my wife said to me that, "Oh, do you think it's the right time for you to go to the U.S. right now? Because then uh, the tired legs are the players that are coming to the United States to play. So when they play, when they are done playing in Europe." They come to the U.S. and they retire. They, they play their last, their last breath and right. their last game, and you know they just retire afterwards. I said, but that is not what you wanted now because you still have energy to play, you still have time to play. You see, young blah blah blah. I said, yes, that's true. You're right. I'm just trying to consider the opportunity because because of the family and all that, you know. And then, uh, baby, my first son. And, you know, it was early for us to, like, decide what we wanted to do. Right. Yeah. So what we did was to to stay back, you know. Then that was when I started making those moves. So when I made those moves, got to Turkey, what the agent was telling me, Sonny, do you want to go to United States of America? I said, the United States of America. I said, where? What club? He said, no, I cannot tell you the club except you give me a mandate. I said, why not? Of course. And I gave him a mandate. Then immediately he told me the club. I said, okay, the director, is it a coach? Then he said to me, all, every one of them. I said, okay, can you do me a favor? Can you get me in touch with the coach? He said, yeah, sure. I said, okay, give me the phone number of the coach. Then I can relate with him. Because I knew what I could ask because I was matured then. Then I got to call him and, you know, asking him some questions because I heard about the moments. Uh, how is it like? What are they? You know, you know. I just needed to like ask to know what exactly I'm going to see there because I don't just want to go to somewhere without making my doing my homework, doing my research about the place that I'm going to. So they gave me the number I called, and Coach Jeff Kesar was the coach at the time, and uh, he picked up the call and I was having a conversation with him, you know, and I could remember what he mentioned to me. He said, Sonny, come here. You don't have no pressure here. You can leave your home. You can open your door. No one is going to bust into your house. Here is more than secure. Here is secure. Are you going to be in a cool environment with good people, blah, blah, blah. You know, he gave me his word as a father. And I said, okay, Jeff, I've heard from you. I don't need to hear from anyone again so i'm satisfied with what i had and you know i just took it i just took the chances i took the opportunity and you know i came to salt lake arriving at salt lake city the next day i had to travel to casa grande no tucson sorry tucson in arizona for the preseason so i could remember uh, american football final the day i was traveling to the second day that i was traveling to tucson 
That was that the day they played the final of the uh, American football finals. The Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Thank you. That was the that was the day I was traveling to Tucson to meet the club. I think the team they already traveled. So I was coming from Europe. I landed today. Then the next day was the Super Bowl. Then I have to meet them and you know meet my my new teammates and you know another life started there. So you, you traveled to Tucson. So now I have to ask this because this leads into um, your coaching. Then, how long were you playing for Real Salt Lake? Then you played one more team. You said after Salt Lake, and that was where is it? I wrote it down. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Papos. Yes. Papos. Yeah. Okay. Um, I played three seasons with Real Salt Lake. Beautiful place, lovely place, good people. Uh, what else can I talk about Real Salt Lake? Because I could remember the president of Real Salt Lake, Deloy Anson, gave me his personal car to be driving until I got my own car. Because I came into the U.S. without knowing nothing, without knowing nobody, without uh, without U.S. driver license. Without, I was coming with European license, you know. Not even having an idea how they drive here. Is it different? No, it's not different. It's the same. Just keep left. No, just keep to your right. So not like in UK, you keep to your left. Nigeria, you keep to your right, just like in the US. So um, Mr. Anson was giving me his car. So sorry, you can use it as long as you want until you get your car. Then you can bring it back to me. Oh, I said, no. So you still have people like this. That's impressive. Probably this podcast, yeah. Probably this podcast get to his hearing to hear this. He's been he's been a wonderful person. I, I that's really cool. So then you got done playing, and how did he get into coaching then? Because I remember when I so when I left Utah, the Dallas, the universe of the climate weather, because you know Utah is cold, blah blah blah. Uh, Dallas is weather condition is okay, good. I said okay, if that is what he wants, come let's go, let's do it. So we moved to Texas and we moved precisely to Frisco because we made our homework. We did research on where to stay, where to live and all that because of my kids. Then the SACS told me, told us Frisco. Then immediately we, we contacted the, 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 the place we we're going to stay. We called them before coming. We did all those stuff and all that. Then we came, we moved in and we started our life here. After a week, I walked up to um, Toyota Stadium to see, you know, just to just to look around and, you know, because I know Toyota. I used to, I know Toyota even during my days when I was playing. So live in the city. Then I, I woke up and I came and I, you know, I see a few things and I went back. Then I called one agent who was my agent at the time and told him, oh, I'm in Texas now. Uh, Dallas, precisely FC Dallas, if you can give me the chance to talk to them, if they can sign me or probably I can be training with them until I get something where I'm going to go. Then immediately he called them and they said, okay, Sonny, you free, you can cover. So they made me train with the North Texas when coach um, uh, Eric, Eric Quill was the coach. So he hope Eric Quill is a fantastic human being. He gave me the chance. He opened his door for me. I came in, he, he adopted me, took me as a son. He allowed me to share the changing room with them. He spoke to me and told me, Sonny, this, 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 if you need anything, you know. There is no other way welcoming someone than what Eric Quill did. 
to 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 have me with the boys uh, of North Texas. So I was training with the North Texas, training with the first team, training with the North Texas, training with the first team, just switching on and off, on and off, on and off like that. But it came to a point where I needed to decide. They wanted to sign me with North Texas, but you know that was when my time to go to Europe was approaching. So I needed to decide if I had to go or I had to stay and sign with North Texas. So I decided that, okay, it's time for me to go. Then that was when I left and I went to Europe, to Paphos in Cyprus. So when I went to Cyprus and when the COVID hit, I have to come back to my family because I left my family in Texas. I didn't travel with them to, to uh, I left them here to travel by myself. But what I do is that I used to come back uh, after two months, every two months, I come back to see them. I know it costs money to fly and short time to like, you know, just see them one day. I fly one day, I stay with them uh, and the next day I'm gone, you know. That's brutal. So, yeah, yeah, that's very, very brutal. Yeah. So what I needed to do because I needed to see my family, I needed to like, you know, take, I don't want to take them there. Reason because... I want them to stay here because this is one of the best countries in the world. You know, to be here, I want them to be happy here, to settle, to really, really settle. Come back from every two months, I come back into the United States and, you know, I, I go back, come, go, come, go. And when the COVID eat, I just have to like, because when the COVID eat, I really miss my parents. I'm sorry, I, I really miss my, my family. I was calling them every now and then not to go out, not just to stay, because my wife was with three kids, I by herself with three kids, uh, it was terrible, terrible, terrible. So, so brutal, just like uh, you mentioned. After the, I actually had two years, and I have to like cut the second year and say, no, 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 it's not worth it to leave my family. In a situation like this, in the whole world, no. We, we, money, but there are some things that are precious to one's life, that is more than money. Money, of course, is a necessity. But when it comes to family, money cannot buy that. You just need to draw the line between, between of, you know, staying with my family and going to look for money. I could have still go to Saudi Arabia. I could have to go, still go to Dubai, go to Asian country to go play, get money. And it's still going to be the same thing because I'm going to leave my family here and go to countries like that to go make money and without your family like what you know but in the end you know people say ah no make money yeah of course make money and get your lifestyle i get it but when it comes to family there's nothing that beats that so that is why even when i was coming back i landed today the next day they are calling me to go to europe ah i said no no let me go home let me settle let me reset my brain and see what i want to do right so i call back the agent and you know no disrespect i call back the agent and i told him uh, they want to pay me. He said they want to pay me this. Then what I did was, can they pay me this? Which I knew it was impossible. That was how I relieved myself from you know going there because I don't want it to be that. Okay, you refuse that. No, I said if they can give me this, I'm ready to go tomorrow. Which I knew they were not going to give me. I was asking for too much. Right. Normally, you know. So just to the line, just to call the fence because I, even if I have to go to Europe, I will. I don't want to take my family because we want to settle here. We've been in Europe for ages, for years. I use European passport. You know, my family, they are from Europe. We have European passport. We all have European passport. That's part of the fact that we have Nigerian passport as well. 
but I decided that okay, US, we want to stay here for so long time and you know adapt to the system, know everything, and you know that is why we we are here. Um, brought about the coaching is uh, came back from Cyprus. I still came back to keep training with FC Dallas, the second team. So I wanted to see the option of training with FC Dallas until a friend called and said, Sonny, do you know who is the not Texas now? I said, ooh. Then he said, Pa, that you guys play together. I said, yeah, I know Pa. We played against each other. Then he said, okay, you can go talk to him. He's a nice guy, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. Then I went. The moment he saw me, because I knew we were having some conversation, even during when I was playing, we were having conversation. We kept in touch and we talk. And he's another great man. He's a great man in the sense that he opened the door. My knowledge. Lots of time that I've played soccer, you know, to give my knowledge, which are the, the, the North Texas players, you know, at the point in time, you know, I was giving them my, my, my knowledge about what I've done and, and things like that. So when the guys realized that this guy played in the Champions League, he played in the World Cup with Spain, he did this, he did that. Then most of them were like, okay, uh, this is the guy. This is the guy. This is good. You know, to the extent that I was doing some IDPs with most of all these players, you can see Bernard today. I'm happy and I'm glad that Bernard is where he is today because Bernard was part of the players we were training then in, with, the, with the North Texas. Mulatto, the same thing. Nolan, the same thing. Colin. Like most of all those players, they were moved from the academy or from the second team to the first team. They were the players that we were training them at a point in time. You know, they, they were there and, you know, that I can see them on the field playing, scoring goals and doing best for themselves and for their family. I think the other day I was able to like call Bernard even on the pitch. He was able to like, you know, the respect to even come out to give an autograph to a, a little boy that came with me on that day was nothing but exceptional. It was exceptional because, you know, come to other people, they can just wave you from the stand or pretend as if they don't see you. But Bernard has been, you know, concert, timid, shy guy, cool-headed guy who knows what he wants and, you know, he, he respected, he came and, you know, gave autograph to the, to the little boy, took picture, and, and, and that's it. Yes, Bernard uh, Malato are just um, that we always cheer for when we watch the FC Dallas games. I watched majority of the North Texas games last year. So, and now... Came to join uh, Texas was after hearing the... Uh, I just finished playing, and uh, finished playing, and... You know, or becoming a coach or, you know, I was not sure what I was going to do at that moment. Because I wasn't planning becoming a coach. Then he said to me, son, whatever thing that you want to do, the door is open for you. If it's coach, you come with us. If you still want to continue playing, it's up to you. But whatever... So when Pa told me, Sonny, whatever you want to do, whatever decision you want to make, you can just come in and, you know, the boys train them. And give your knowledge to them, blah blah blah. So the door is open for you, you know. With arms open and opportunity, and I started learning from him. And from there, uh, able to to produce some good legs, good players for the uh, first team, and do some IDPs, and you know, for that. Uh, I think after the 
Papa called me and told me he was not going to continue. And he was, yeah, he was, he wasn't going to continue. And I said, okay, no problem. So when past stopped coming, then I said, okay. Despite the fact that I was coming here, I was coming with FC Dallas before Pa. Uh, I had to like stop as well because I was coming as a soccer player when I was, at the time when I was coming. So, but when Pa came, I was coming as a coach. So when Pa left, and I decided to like, you know, oh, should I still go or should I just step aside? Um, what I did was to just step aside. And uh, when I stepped aside, I got a call back from them, uh, from FC Dallas, that uh, I can come, you know, help the team, the academy boys, uh, the United team, help them and, you know, give them some information, some knowledge about the game and all that, which I came, I did. And, and since then, until until was it last week or last two weeks where they were eliminated in the MLS Nest uh, tournament that they participated in? And some of the boys were they they went with the the team, and some of them I think uh, they went to college and you know they are going to college or they're about something like this. And uh, very soon when everything is going to start up again, I know we're going to meet some of the players and we just have to start from the scratch again, you know, bringing up the academic boys and, and all that. Yeah, it's, it's always rebuilding, right? Every year. Yes, it's always like that because you have, we have a bunch of players from the academy, talented players, and you just have to, you know, bring them up, give them the confidence that, okay, there is nothing. They can do it, and, you know. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Chat by the Pitch. This episode with Coach Sonny really hit several nerves with me as a parent and how grateful and lucky and privileged our kids are to play this beautiful game. And I'm assuming if, they're, if you're listening to this, you might feel the same way, how privileged they are that they don't have to go through what he had to do to play this game and that we give our kids so much support, so much love and energy into this beautiful game that they can thrive and do so many great and wonderful things. Now, as I reflect back on the countless times I've listened to this, his journey to make it and being adopted by his coach to playing for Spain's national team, and I felt like we didn't even scratch the surface because him and I have had a lot of conversations over the last year almost, and he's a great guy, and Sonny is one of the few coaches that I feel like cares for the players he's around, but also will push them beyond their comfort zone. Most of you might not know, but he does uh, private coaching, and if you're looking for a private coach, he's a great one to have. He's over in the Frisco area. We drive over to Frisco from Keller area just to work with him. His understanding of what the kids need to be doing to get to the next level is great. Now, as I wrap this up this week, I hope you take time to give your kids hugs and give them support and love and let them know that their struggles they have are their struggles, but they need to understand that there's so many other kids out there, even in this country, that don't get to have what they have and make our kids more appreciative for what they have. I don't mean to be preaching here, but 
this one was really heart-wrenching for me because as a as a parent until next time i'll see you at the pitch